When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're recording. Welcome, everyone, to the Rink Rat Report podcast. Recording this one January 31st, All-Star break. So there are no Leaf games until Monday. What's that, February 5th or something like that? I believe there are three games on tonight before the festivities start tomorrow. So that's always okay. But as always, joined by my co-host, Jason. How's it going? Shout out to whoever makes the schedule for the NHL. Um, they should be fired because I know, understand how the bye weeks work, but uh, I mean, the quality of hockey we've gotten. I don't want to. I don't want to rip on these teams, but like we knew these teams were going to be bad, and you kind of lined up like three days of just like poor, poor teams playing for us. What are we doing here? But I mean, I guess it's done now. Anyways, my little rant there. Last night, there were three total goals scored. In <laughs> one crazy. of the games, there was 42 total shots. And I'm going to quickly look up what the other one was. Well, oh, the fraudulent Ottawa Senators are winning again. Look at that. One of them was an empty net goal as well. So there was two goals Beautiful. scored on <laughs> The Kraken-Sharks game, there was 54 shots. 22 of them came from the Sharks. And so, yeah, that was a 2 nothing game. Both goals scored in the third period, mind you. So that was a piece of shit game. And then they're there again, Columbus and uh, St. Louis blues third period goal for a one, nothing win. There were less than what's this 43 plus 54. There was less than a hundred total shots taken between two games. And those were the only two games on this week. And guess what? There's no football this week, you complete morons. And we have the all like, why couldn't the all star game be after the Super Bowl? Like, what was what's wrong with that? Is that I don't know. Our the the, uh, the actual game itself is also competing with the Pro Bowl, which obviously doesn't create Pro like Bowl a lot. I know it sucks, but I'm just saying, like, it's like just. When's the Pro Bowl though? Isn't it Sunday? Is that the exact same? Yeah. Is the isn't the game on sa- no, Sunday? Saturday. Or no, Saturday. All right. Never mind. Disregard. Disregard. Who cares? <laughs> Anyways, um, so we only had one game since we last spoke. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets game, a much better game, I will add. Yes. And yes. if you bet, we'll get this. Is not even part of the ad read, but the Leafs were plus money in that game. And guess what else oh. was plus money? John Tavares scoring a goal finally. Oh my God. That guy was on a cold streak of what, 10 games? I think I bet in like four or five of them. So it was plus money. Oh, yeah. Woohoo. I'm still down like four units from fucking John Tavares going on this cold streak. But, anyways, he's going to be due next game. And guess who else is going to be due over 0.5 points? Is Tyler Bertuzzi. Um, and maybe one of these days the over will hit and or, I don't know. Like I'm doing so I'm on such a cold streak right now. That's all right. But as, as long as you're betting within your means and betting responsibly, it's all good. Yeah. It's not a, 
it's not a significant it's, amount of money by any yeah. stretch of the imagination. <laughs> so that's okay. So we're going to get into the Winnipeg Jets game, State of the Union, talk a little bit about what we see. We're going to keep it nice and short because we have Frankie Corrado on the program. He's going to give us – he gave a lot of good information in that interview. But yeah. before we talk about all of that, roses are red, violets are blue. Trim your balls and your date will thank us too. <laughs> What's up, fellas? Valentine's Day is knocking and Manscaped is the remedy for what the love doctor ordered. His prescription, the all-new Performance Package 5.0, designed to elevate your grooming game and shine like the heartthrob you are. Join the 10 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com to snag 20% off and free shipping with the code RINKRAT. That is R-I-N-K-R-A-T at manscaped.com. If you are using big, clunky cardboard scissors or whatever, manscaped.com, promo code RINKRAT, you disgusting fuck. Look in your underwear. If they are ripped, manscaped.com, promo code RINKRAT. Give your pants a smell if they smell. Yeah, we're not going to show our underwear. I was going to say, I'm wear- probably wearing landscape right now. Yeah, <laughs> it's like this is serious. Doesn't matter. No, <laughs> they're honestly so comfortable. Though, like, I'm being completely honest. Like, they actually are very, very comfortable. Good. Yeah, um, very, very good. Manscaped.com promo code RINKRAT. All right, let's get into it. The Jets game, which feels like forever ago, because we were in a point where there was Leafs hockey. It seemed like every single day. Yeah, and yeah. I will say this about the two Jets wins. Jets are a good team. Jets are for real this year. Jets have a really good goalie. The Leafs got very lucky in terms of the timing that they played the Winnipeg Jets. At home, there was no Mark Shifley, no Gabriel Velarde. They lost Josh Morrissey in the first period. On the road at Winnipeg, they lost Brendan Dillon after the first period and no Mark Shifley. And it was noticeable when they lost Brendan Dillon. He's a pretty solid defender, I will say. But yeah, a 4 2 win after going down 1 0. A very valiant effort from the Toronto Maple Leafs, I will say. What did you see in this one? Uh, love the game. We obviously got the like better end of, of things, I feel like, uh, in the Winnipeg love game. I, f- I feel like I'm just trying to, trying to remember the beats and the moments of the game. The Jets had four power plays, but the Leafs yeah. finally did get a five on three, and the Leafs converted on two of the power plays. Yeah, so the special funnily, teams was the big kind of determining factor in this mm, one. Yeah, I was going to ask you, what are your thoughts on the Tavares? It's been talked about a bit now, but I just want to hear your thoughts on the Tavares. This the, entire stick, game slash made and no break, sense. Like, this entire game was insane. It made no sense. You will never see anything like this ever again. Ryan Reeves, jelly knees coming off of the IR (laughs) and tipping in a goal and getting like a hundred percent expected goals in this game. He was, they were awesome in this one. That made no sense. Number one, number two, uh, the phantom, no goal on Tyler Bertuzzi, his second in his last two games. What the hell was that? That was a bad call, but that's neither here nor there. And the big thing about that call and why I think it was bad, because you could say, they missed whatever. The theory behind it sucks. If yeah, they called sure. it a goal on the ice, it would have been a goal if they reviewed it. Because yeah. they called it no goal, they didn't have sufficient evidence of some sort. Like, what? I don't know. It was dumb. Yeah. It and was then dumb. they had the Tavares play, too. 
this one it went for the Leafs, and there were so many people arguing in my comments. Oh, it's this, it's this, is guys. I really don't care. Like, it's three a.m. Why are you still fighting in the comments? Anyways, that helps us. So neither here nor there. So <laughs> Dylan Sandberg over over the shoulder chops Tavares's stick. John Tavares a second goes by, and then he looks at the ref and he goes, "What the hell?" He flexes his stick and breaks it. And then the hand shoots up. They changed the rules so that it's not, it's no longer, oh, chop, oh, stick broke. Okay, now we're calling it. If the chop is severe enough, they will call it regardless of the stick breaking or not. So for them to then revert back to that old standard was really, really weird to me. But. Yeah, and I just think it looks bad on the league because, like, there's the the only reason why they did it was because the stick was compromised, which is like such a stupid reason. If if the slash was hard enough to compromise the stick, it should have been a penalty regardless. So, like, could have compromised his ankle. Never mind. Yeah. What, if he hit, what if he hit his hand? If, what if it Honestly. compromised his finger off? Yeah. Shadow mark my thought. Like, holy smokes. Yeah. I don't know. Anyways, um, in this one as well. So the two Winnipeg goals. The second one was just the biggest piece of shit I've ever seen in my life. Just sh- one of the Jets takes a shot. It hits Jake McCabe in the ass and then goes in. Like, when it was already 4-1. It was like, okay, whatever. The first goal was a screen. It was a little bit tough to see around it. Okay. But after that, we got a solid game for Milia Samsonov. Mm. Another solid game for Milia Samsonov. So we got yeah. a shutout, both against the Jets. You know, maybe didn't have the best shooters on that team. But that's a cup. That's three really good games in a row for Milia Samsonov. It's something to really, really be happy about going into the All-Star break. Yeah, and that's like, that's the biggest thing. That's my biggest takeaway, excuse me, from this game is like how how like positive it is that Ilya Samsonov went into the All-Star break with a those a good three-game stretch <laughs> of where he only allowed three goals. He... Like his last game that he was he played in, he allowed three goals. Now he has a three game stretch. Excuse me, his last game before this winning streak, he allowed three goals. Like, and now this three game stretch, he only allows three goals on like what is it like 50, 60, 70, 80 shots. So that's a massive, massive uh, takeaway for me here. And it's po- it's a positive development yeah. because it it allows our organization to kind of focus things on the trade deadline because with Samsonov playing better, and we talked about this with Frankie, like. Now we don't have to. We, we don't even have to consider goaltending. Now we, we're not. We're not even thinking about it. Whereas if Samsov still played poorly, maybe there might be like, hey, like what if? Yeah. What, what if, do you do? Should we? Should we? Like right? So. So based on that, Elliot Friedman did say that before Martin Jones was getting starts, the Leafs were sniffing around for a goaltender, mm-hmm. but they only wanted to give like a sixth round pick, and teams were like, no thanks, no. not yeah. at all. So the Leafs weren't looking to move anything significant. It was just like a little bit like, here's a sixth. Give us your third goalie kind of thing. Team said no, so then they stopped. So it wasn't like the most serious sniffing around. But yeah, if you were going to have issues if Samsonov really didn't come back into form like he has. He looks yeah. way more confident. His feet are set. It looks He looks like he's getting his feet set on shots. It looks like he's hitting his mark, which means essentially when you have the pass going from point A, say, to point B, you have to know before the pass gets to point B kind of where you need to stop in order to be centered to that puck. So that's called hitting your mark. If you mm. don't hit your mark and you travel a little bit too far, say, or you don't get there in time 
and your feet aren't set, when that shot comes, and if your feet aren't set, then that puck's going to hit you and you're still going to be moving. Say that you make the save, you're lucky enough to make the save. Your momentum's going to be going towards your left. You're going to be sliding out of the net kind of, and you're going to be giving up a very juicy rebound in front. If you want an example of this, his goal against uh, Vancouver scored a goal in Toronto where he kind of missed his marker. He didn't get to his mark quick enough. He made the save. The rebound was there to a wide open net. He's hitting his marks, it looks like. I, I, he looks really good. He looks square. He looks confident. It's beautiful to see. So yeah. shout out Ilya Samsonov. Yeah, and he deserves he deserves his kudos because again, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna be hard on guys for playing playing poorly, you got to give them compliments when they're playing well. I mean, I was in I was I know you talked about the first Winnipeg game pre, on the previous show, but I was in that building. I was watch, I was at that game, and man, it went fucking crazy when he made that, um, that two on O save the two on O the four saves on the two on O the building erupted, which is uh, I mean. I feel like the Leafs have the worst home field advantage if if crowd noise is a factor. I feel like our crowd yeah. noise is terrible, and I I don't I actually do not the, remember the building ever being that loud except for maybe I was at a Boston Bruins playoff game. I think it was the first one against the Bruins, the first series against the Bruins, and I that was like as close to as loud as I think I've ever heard the building uh, since then. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Well, I mean the Tampa Bay first game that seemed like it was pretty loud. Yeah, that's true. That was twenty two twenty. That was twenty one twenty two. Yes. Yes. <laughs> So way, way back, but it was pretty cool to see when they went out West in Edmonton, mm. in Calgary, in Vancouver, in Winnipeg, how loud the building got because it was the Leafs fans cheering against the home team fans. And it was like, both of them were 50, 50 pretty much. So that was really, really cool to see. But yeah. Yeah. Anyways, um, a couple of things. So beyond that game, um, I, I do want to say Connor Hellebuck looks really good. I think he's a fantastic goaltender. I think he's going to win the Vesna. There was a couple saves. There was a save on William Nylander. Nylander streaking down the right side. He kind of has the defenseman beat, and he's able to get off a pretty good shot. It looked like a nothing chance, just because this guy is so good at his reads. He's so good at reacting. He's so good positionally, and he's so big. He takes up so much of the net where it was like an, it looked like a nothing chance against, but it was William Nylander streaking, streaking down the wing. So just a fantastic goaltender there. Uh, but we got three on him. So, hi, hey, how do you do? Any <laughs> other closing thoughts on uh, the, the Winnipeg game? Um, no, nah, just the, the Winnipeg series as a whole. I think the team really, uh, we talked about what they had to do Two weeks ago, they had five games left before the All-Star break. I said, they, they got to win three of two or else this is going to be a disaster going into the All-Star break. They did it. They did it in the last three games. that They they lost two of them, then won three, but they did it. So that's like a, a positive outlook. And, and again, it seems like this team gets like, I've, I've kind of been talking about this all year. It's like the signings that Bradshaw Living has made has planted seeds throughout. It feels like the organization of how to hopefully shift the culture feels like the way that we played Winnipeg was a step in the right direction. I feel like we went into it like a little bit more of a F these guys attitude. I think it goes all the way back to those Shifley comments. So um, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, it was a good character win. It, it was Sh It was Shifley in the dressing room there. He was yeah. a baby. He was injured. He couldn't play the Leafs. <laughs> um, but yeah, 
I don't know. I feel like it, the, the the Jets games are more. There's more animosity when it was Pierre Luc mm. Dubois because he's such a little rat, and they just love punching him straight in the face, which was cool to see. Yeah. Uh, so there was that. But what was my other point here? Can't remember. Anyways, animosity. Yeah. Um... Animosity. That's what it was. I feel like I find that teams can lull the Leafs. It feels like unless there's like a cheap shot against them. You don't really see too, too much action. It feels like some nights it's not really there. And I'm not saying put Ryan, putting Ryan Reeves in is going to change that. It won't at all, I don't believe. But, you know, kind of, I guess you're kind of, I don't know. Never mind. I'm, I'm, I'd stretch it. I was going to say your, your first line is, you know, fighting back a little bit, but they're not. I don't know. They're still like, they'll grab someone in a scrum. That's about the extent that they'll do. Yeah, and that's a that's a that's a step in the right direction for for the team and the organization, I guess. Right? Yeah. Um, um I did want to say that was a two ums at the same time. Jesus. Because I, I was I, we were both trying to segue. You segue first, and I'll I'll get to my yeah. question. <laughs> I do want to say this moving forward, a couple things to keep an eye on. I don't have any stats with it. I don't have any, you know, like sp- I can't remember the times of the game that I saw this, but I've seen this more than a few times. And that's the Leafs on the rim release. If you Twitter searched the rim release, Kyle McLean talks about it a little Mm. bit and he has some good clips. And a couple of them came from the Leafs last year. Essentially what it is when a player has possession in the offensive zone, they're under pressure 90. Like this is when you would use it. You're under pressure from the, uh, from the opposition. You throw the puck, you're going uh, skate. You're skating up the wall towards the blue line in the offensive zone. You throw the puck behind you around the wall hard. So then F two is then there to pick up that puck. And the puck carrier is essentially alleviated of a little bit of pressure. Instead of having to face that double team, you're essentially just sending it to another player to alleviate pressure, elongate the, the, the time of possession and then you're able to get a different look. Maybe another man, uh, another player makes a move off of the puck. A player, another player off the puck makes a move, is able to get space, and you're able to move that puck from on the wall into the center. So essentially, the rim release is you're rimming it around for from we'll say F1 or whatever to F2, and your goal is then from moving it around the wall is to get it into the middle. So you have to go from one to well, two to three, essentially. And yeah. the example he gave, one of the examples he gave was Marner's, the the second goal that the Leafs scored in game five against Florida, in game four, sorry, against Florida. Marner got the entry. I believe he rimmed it around. Ryan O'Reilly was able to pick it up along the boards. He got it to Logren, and then I think Logren to Marner, who was in the middle of the ice then, because he made a move off the puck. And they were able to take a shot through traffic and it went in. Why I bring this up, I don't think the Leafs are doing a very good job mm. of the rim release. They're rimming it, but they're not getting the puck back. Okay. So what? why is that? I'm finding that it's you know winning those small battles and not having the foot speed to win those, to, to get to the puck first per se, right? And it's sometimes just being not patient enough. So that's one thing to keep an eye on the like rim that. release and how well they do it to be able to elongate possession in the offensive zone. You had a point that you brought up again with Frankie 
about the breakouts. I mean, I don't think they were great last year, but something to keep an eye on if they somehow yeah. improve. Yeah. And, uh, if you want to throw to the interview, we can do that. But before we throw to the interview, I want to give you a quick shout out to our sponsors over at DraftKings. If you're looking for a super offer for Super Bowl 58, DraftKings Sportsbooks has you covered. New customers can bet on the big game and turn five bucks into 200 instantly in bonus bets. I mean, you can bet on anything you want really uh, for this Super Bowl over on DraftKings. Pretty much anything you can imagine, like for example, the coin toss, if it's going to be heads, if it's going to be tails, they're currently offering zero VIG on it. It's plus 100 either side, which is fantastic here. And then they have, obviously, the Gatorade color, which is a classic Super Bowl prop. It's going to be purple, yellow, green, orange, blue, red. Anything you want to bet on and that you can imagine that you could bet on, it's probably on DraftKings. So head over to DraftKings. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code THPM. New customers can bet 5 bucks or get two and get $200 instantly in bonus bets when betting five bucks only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports bank partner of the Super Bowl 58 with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit CPG. Org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. CDKNG.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Head over to DraftKings. Use code THPN. Do you want to bet on the Red Wings right now? It's 2 2 and 316 left in the third. <laughs> Uh, I minus might, 130 I money line and plus 100 for Ottawa. Um, I have to take a look at that. I don't know. <laughs> I'm gonna go Red Wings. Why not? Just Love it. Whoever, whoever's gonna see this tomorrow, you're you're gonna hear a happy Joe next week or a sad one, and uh, it'll be determined. It's not, it's not enough money. I'm <laughs> literally making 76 cents if they win. <laughs> I'll just be pissed because I bet against the Sens, and you know the record for betting with with the senators it's just not been very good anyways let's throw it to the interview with frankie carrado all right we got frankie carrado back on the program once again we're going to be talking a lot of things leafs here frankie thanks so much for joining us tonight no problem thanks for having me i wanted to show you guys something this hat is from Leo Komarov when he went no! to the All-Star Game. Check this out. All-Star Game in Nashville. When Leo came back, he brought like a whole bunch of hats and he had to pay for it out of his own what? wallet. And I literally have it sitting in my hallway upstairs. Doesn't it remind you guys of the Rob Lowe NFL hat? Yes. No, I yeah. 100% yeah, yeah, yeah. does. That's I've amazing. Never, like, I've never <laughs> worn it or anything, but like... It doesn't even fit. Well, I gotta adjust it, but this is my like Rob Lowe, Leo Komarov NHL All Star oh, hat. My God. It's That's funny amazing that you mentioned Rob Lowe. I was actually about to post the Dean Youngblood shootout move today and be like, like why does nobody pull this move anymore? It's pretty freaking nasty. Yeah. So shout out, shout out in honor of All Star Weekend. Shout out to Uncle Leo. Oh, God. That was awesome. I love that picture. It's just like, yeah, 1516. Who was the Leafs representation? Because every other year it felt like Caberlay or Kessel. Leo Komarov. All right. Yeah. We're off. 
to a hot, hot start. I love it. All-Star Weekend, so no games on right now. I wanted to get into a little bit of the trade market. We're hearing some names out there and then followed by the word first round pick. You've been doing Montreal games, Frankie. I wanted to get your opinion. Sean Monaghan, is he worth a first round pick? Well, okay. It's... It's more, I think there's a little more nuance to it than that. Because first of all, he's healthy. He's played every game this year. And that's been the biggest issue that's, that's held him back. It's never really been about ability. It's been about availability. So he's, he's healthy. He's looked really good on an offensively challenged team in Montreal. Like he's when the power I find in Montreal, when the power play goes through him, it has better looks when he doesn't get a touch on the power play. They have a hard time settling it down. And I know like I've seen this kind of floating around, like his, his defensive kind of micro stats don't look great, but like, he's one of those guys that maybe more passes the eye test defensively. Cause I I'm like watching him now because I want to see, okay, can he actually help someone defensively as well? Because like, he's not like a high octane offensive guy. So for me, if I'm looking at bringing him in, I want to be like, I want to be sure that he's actually going to be responsible defensively. And I've, I've found like a lot of times I'm like, Hey, there he is. That's a good spot. He had his guy, like nothing happened around it, but I'm like, he was, he was pretty preventative there. So like for me, he passes a lot of the tests. The reason why there's a good chance he fetches a first round pick is because his cap hit. Mm-hmm. I think it's like his cap hit is 1.985 with no term attached to it. He's a UFA even if Montreal wanted to eat half of that, like they could get it down to less than a million dollar cap hit for a guy that's got over 30 points this year. that can like really help put your team over the top. I don't know. Like every team has their, their, their one, a guy, even their one B guy, but to throw Monaghan into that, like second tier of offense guy, you can trust. Like that's why I think you, you, you know, yes, he, he fits a lot like, checks a lot of the boxes as far as what he can do, but the cap hit compared to someone like Adam Henrique, who's a really good player having a good year, he's at like 5.8, you know? So Mm -hmm. like, and so you go down this list of like, okay, if I'm going to get into a bidding war and I'm a team, um, give me the guy with the lesser cap hit because I can fit him in easier. That's the reason why it's not, it's not based on just his play this year. It's not like some, some kind of crazy revelation that, that he's going to get a first-round pick, it, it has to do with the cap for me. Mm-hmm. That yeah, is actually I mean, an interesting point that you bring up there because if you remember last year, it was Nick Bukestad who was getting, I think he was 900K, and then yeah. it got half retains to 450, which is non-existent. He went for Kesserling and a third-round pick, and they like Kesserling, it seems like, in – in the desert there. So that's an, that's a very good pick point that you bring up about Monahan. I mean, yeah, the, the defensive metrics to me, when I looked at the metrics, I was just like, man, they're not really there. And I talked to a writer in Montreal and he's like, no, he's, he's playing awesome this yeah. year. The eye test and the, the stats don't really match. So. Montreal's a weird team. Like they're, <laughs> they don't score a lot, but they hang around a lot in games and it seems like they get caved in a little bit, but they still hang around and then they'll find a way to win those games. So I think he's he's a victim of the situation, but like if 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 you're like pinpointing this to Toronto, like would Sean Monahan help the Leafs? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, especially with that center, like feels like the lack of center depth on the team. Like, and 
again, Monahan does play center, which would be a big bump to any team who's looking for a third line center, especially only making like, what is it? 1.9. And if you retain that 800 or whatever, 900 K one mil, whatever you get them retained for. So you kind of brought up a good question here and and perfect segue here just to talk about the Leafs because of course we want to talk about them. Um, I'm, I'm curious. So, before this Winnipeg series, a lot of doom and gloom around the team. A lot of people, and I think a lot of people still have this same sentiment of, should the Leafs be buyers? Like, should they go all in this year? Um, because people don't feel as good about this team as previous years. But like, like, let's just lay out the facts. We're back to 101 point pace after that Winnipeg series. Even though our goaltending hasn't been the best, kind of been up and down throughout the year. Plus, Joseph Wall has been hurt. I mean, hasn't been the greatest situation, but our team is still like, persevered through it we're again at that 101 point pace so i'm curious what you think about the sentiment of some people saying not to be buyers this year if you agree with that disagree with that you don't have to go all in but just what are your thoughts on like i guess wasting a year of this core do you are you like for that or against that no you still need to be buyers it's just you're not pushing all your chips in and what i mean by that is you're not sending mint into somewhere else you're not giving up on easton cowan like you probably say we can part with the first round pick because like for me, it goes by priority and the priority is a defenseman and not just the, you know, not just the depth guy, but someone who can actually play in your top four. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned the, the Winnipeg home and home. We had this, I had this question posed to me by someone coming out of that, uh, the one nothing overtime win in Toronto. Mm. And it was, the question was, are you more, um, optimistic about that game or pessimistic about that game and i i literally asked the person i said why in the hell would i be pessimistic about that game they just won like a tight game their goalie who struggled all year pitched a shutout and they were like well you know star players got benched on the power play and i'm like that's even more reason to be optimistic because sheldon keith holding his players a little accountable like that builds a little something here so um you know, about the, the, the progression that they've made here. Um, it's, that's part of the reason why you need to add something. You need to buy something. It's a top four defenseman. If you can find it now, everyone's going to be looking to do that, right? You don't think Edmonton is trying to make an upgrade on their decor, like keep going, like Winnipeg wants to make an upgrade. I would imagine like there's a lot of teams are going to be vying for a few players that can really help kind of move the needle, but Toronto, because they have the cap space, because the Klingberg money is available to them. They have to be a, a team that kind of um, is puts their hat in the ring for that. But as you can't like you cannot think you're going to be able to address everything with this team this year because you don't have enough currency in the bank to go through everything and and really get uh, people who are going to be game changers or guys that can move the needle. So what I've been saying is number one priority: address that. You have the money to do it. You have the assets to do it. That should be a done deal. That should be a lock. If you think you can make another kind of thrift store bargain kind of move that can help you, take your pick. Um, it probably doesn't need to be a depth defenseman because you have a lot of those. Is it someone, you know, as a, a depth forward that can help you? That's probably it because you're not going to add a goaltender now with Samsonov playing better, Wall coming back, and, you know, you kind of know what you have in Martin Jones. So that's what I'd be looking to do. It's a defenseman who can help move the needle in the top four. And it's like a, a, a bargain kind of, you know, bargain shopping as far as who can maybe give you a little, maybe it's a little offensive punch, um, you know, lower in the lineup. But um, that's, you know, and, and Sean Monaghan, 
he doesn't fit that criteria for me because that's going to cost a first round pick. You're probably using the first round pick to bring in the defenseman. So it's not an all in. Like this is not the year where you say similar mm-hmm. to last year with Matthew Nyes. Like that was different because Nyes is going to be like Nyes is going to be a really good player. Like you just didn't want to part with him in the organization. But I'm not I'm not mortgaging you know Minton Cowan etc. for for this year's group. Yeah, that's that's, fair. that's a good point there. And so, do you have a name? For us, that maybe you think, hey, you know, so maybe. I, okay, so I've been I've been kind of going back and forth on this. I, I've been looking at like I at the start of the year, I put all the names of UFA players into <laughs> this like into this little document, and as they keep getting you know re-signed or traded or whatever, you have to kind of see like who fits where. So now it comes down to teams, you know, like mm-hmm. which team is definitely going to be out of it. Um, and which teams are still on the fence. Like, so now we know that Lindholm is traded from Calgary to Vancouver. I don't think that means they're going to get rid of everyone. Like they probably are, but they probably still want to see, um, you know, what, what they're going to look like. So Calgary, like we kind of see what direction they're going in, but Anaheim for sure. Like Anaheim's not, you know, so then you take a look at who they have up, up, have up front. They have Henrique, Silverberg, Sam Carrick. Okay, like Sam Carrick, like there's a guy who can who can probably help you, but he's been in Anaheim forever. How are you going to get him out of there? There's then there's Buffalo, um, Olafson, Gergensons, Okposo, Tyson Jost. Any of those names excite you? Like so, like there's going to be Johnson names. Too. Yeah, there's going to be names like that. Guys with low cap hits that you know maybe come up and um, but like to to say that there's one guy that really stands out above those group they're all kind of in the same category they're just guys on low cap hits that it just comes down to at that point does the team have a little bit of preference maybe one guy plays with a little more speed maybe one guy played with you know someone on the Leafs at one point and there's a little maybe chemistry there like that's kind of you know that that's kind of what you're looking at it's a lot of guys in that same kind of tier category mm-hmm yeah, it's been it's been difficult to figure out like who's going to be a seller. Like Washington took a little dip, but they're they're still kind of hanging around. Everyone thought Philadelphia was going to be a seller, but they're again still hanging around. They're but interesting the to me. Philly Philly's interesting because I I think at the start of the year, uh, Danny Breer made it pretty clear like we're we're going to do the rebuild and we're going to do it right and we're going to take our time. And Torts has the team playing like a playoff team. And, you know, good for torts, good for the players because they've obviously accomplished that. But I wonder if they, I wonder if they veer off course or I wonder if they've really bought into what they were, what they were talking about at the start of the year. It'll be interesting to see what they do. Yeah. And that's another wait and see there. Uh, Jason, what did you have on so on your docket if, there? If if you're, if you're good with the trade deadline, I'll, I'll kind of want to move off and talk a little bit about the uh, defensive zone structure of the Leafs here, because obviously, uh, Frankie's a I guess my last best. trade to tie off the trade deadline here. Do we see Ottawa sell at all? Vlad Tarasenko. Yeah. Well, Checker. I think I think Ottawa's Ottawa's going to try and like they're going to try and move off some guys. Would be mm-hmm. my guess. Like the two UFAs they have, Tarasenko and Kubalik. Like Tarasenko's played really well recently, and he's he's kind of like he's on a bit of a hot streak. Kubalik last year was really good and that would have been a guy that i would have been all over for the leafs like he was a you know two and a half million dollar cap hit plays a, he, he played a pretty like you know up and down like 
up straight line game. Um, mm -hmm. and, and he was hot last year. He had 20 goals or 25 goals, something like that. This year it hasn't worked in Ottawa. Like he, you know, if they didn't have to play him, I'm sure they wouldn't. Um, but yeah. And then the Chikrin thing is interesting because I saw, I saw some leaps kind of discourse on Chikrin and someone, you know, someone was tweeting out that, um, you know, really good defensively. He plays the right side. And I, I didn't tweet anything back, obviously, but I was like, wait, stop right there. He only plays the right side because Ottawa needs him to play the right side. He's not very comfortable there. Mm -hmm. And if you ask Sens fans like that hasn't gone great for, for him or them this year. And he's an offensive defenseman before he's a defensive defenseman. So he's, you know, he's, he, he's an offensive guy. And mm -hmm. so if, if you try, if you bring him in, you have to know what you're getting when you're bringing mm -hmm. him in. So you're probably going to get a little offense from the back end, but um, you know, he might leave a little to be desired defensively. Yeah. Who, exactly. who knows? Cause that, that might be the space. Like I, I doubt the least are trying to move for a chicken, but that might be the space that Bradshaw living was looking to fill when signing a guy like Klingberg. And obviously that didn't work out for other reasons, but um, yeah, it could be, it could be an interesting move here. I, I'm always infatuated yeah. with uh with uh, him in, in, especially back in Arizona. I was about to come on here and rinse the Sens if they did not win that last game. My friend Dave has been, oh, we're so good. Oh, no, they, this team sucks. Cancel my Sportsnet Plus. And then, oh, we're, we're back, we're back, we're back. Okay, place a couple bets on them. Nope, they start losing again. I was about to rinse them, but apparently they're back. So, yeah. They're, Sorry, Jason, they're probably <laughs> further away than even they think. So, yeah. 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 Um, fair, fair enough. All right. I, I have a couple of questions here just before you get off. Just curious about the defensive zone structure because uh, recently this year, uh, new head coach, uh, name slipping my mind, forgot to write it down. They implemented a different kind of structure. They play more of a swarm in zone. Can you just tell us a little bit more about the swarm yeah. structure? So this, the swarm is interesting. Basically, like if we just take the puck in the corner as an example, like there's going to be two Leafs players pick a team that they're playing against. They just played the Jets. So there's going to be two mm -hmm. Leafs, two Jets. The whole point of the swarm is to make sure that your third player is in the battle. So you're basically outnumbering them three on two. And mm -hmm. essentially what you're doing is just bringing your wingers to the front of the net. So it's like now their responsibility in front of the net. Mm -hmm. So it's great if you win that battle, if someone pokes a puck loose and now you can really break down from there because all your, your kind of chips are in the corner and, and, you know, you're leaving forwards in front of the net to kind of do a defenseman's job. So there's, you know, there's some, there's some pros and cons to the swarm. I always preferred like the, the layered kind of system, which I think Sheldon Keefe has been doing since he, since he took over, especially post COVID. Um, and that was the biggest difference that Sheldon had compared to Babs, where Babs was playing essentially three one-on-ones low in the zone, and then having the two wingers kind of play halfway between the D, halfway between, you know, the net, just kind of playing in that, you know, hash mark kind of area. Whereas I think Sheldon now wants just different layers of support. So not necessarily having that third player right in like a swarm, but mm. close by. So you're staying by the net a little bit. And if something happens and you see that puck poke free, now you have the green light to, to kind of get involved. So um, this, the, I remember in Vancouver, um, Elaine Vigneault was doing the swarm and it was, it was the swarm at training camp. And then when I, I went back to junior, I, I came back later in that season for the playoffs and the swarm wasn't really happening anymore. Like I think they had, they had moved off it as well. It's just, 
it's super, super aggressive, and it can lead to some, like, bigger chances in front of the net. But Leafs have gotten better defensively this year. Like, it was not mm. – it was an ugly start um, defensively for them. And that was one of the things that Sheldon had, like, made a lot of strides with this team. He really yeah. had them buying in. It's funny. Now that I'm – like, I'm out calling games – um, I like to kind of go down to morning skate, talk to some guys and I was talking to a player and we we're just, you know, a guy I know shooting the shit. And I said, okay, like, tell me, like, what do you guys think when you play Toronto? And like, what, what's, you know, what do you talk about? He said, well, you know, you, you just have to watch out for the star players. They're just so good. Right. Like, and they can do stuff that other guys can't. It's really dangerous. I said, oh, well, how, how are they defensively? He said the best they ever were defensively was in the Canadian division. He goes, that was the best defensive Toronto team that, I, that I've ever played against. He goes, I think since then they've, they've become a little more loose, and especially this year. So take that for what you will. That's a guy who's, you know, who's been playing against them. Yeah. Well, that's, that's always interesting to hear other people's perspective of it. And like, man, that team was so good. That team could have made, made a run, but uh, that – Yeah, we don't want to go there. It's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's oh, it's uh, the PTSD meme. Anyways, uh, yeah. a couple – like two quick questions here before, before you head out, just a question about uh, def- like continuing on with the defensive structure, more looking towards the breakout here. Uh, I noticed last year uh, the team had a little bit of struggle promoting the puck on their breakout, going from D to forward. And then that, that first and second pass here, it feels like, especially in the playoffs and especially against Florida, we struggled against that mightily. And it feels like they kind of cracked the code on us where they kind of like to seal that wall, uh, the winger off the wall and, and kind of force us to go through our sentiment who are like, other than Matthews are, are relatively slower than, than uh, last year. They were relatively slower. So um, have you noticed that like te- more teams kind of trying to seal off the wall against the Leafs? Um, and do you think that that kind of, that teams have kind of cracked the code on like how the Leafs are planning or trying to break out here? The Leafs. Yeah. And this, and this goes back to even when I was in the organization, the Leafs are reluctant to rim pucks and push kind of battles to the neutral zone. It, it like, there was always this notion, let's go back and hit the centerman. Okay. You can't always do that. But if you are, if that's your mentality, then a lot of times you end up breaking out out the strong side. So the puck, you know, the side that the puck came in on. And Mm -hmm. I think that goes to your point, Jason, about like teams really know that about the Leafs now, and they'll make sure that they're sealing the strong side wall. And they're almost kind of daring the Leafs to go out the weak side wall, you know, almost giving them that, but really kind of clogging things up. And, you know, it's like either the pop pass to the middle won't be there, or it's like, you know, a little reverse play, and it's like, bang, that guy's right in your face now. And that's when things kind of get stalled in, in their own zone. Like, I, I would love for the Leafs to be, A, you know, a little more willing to not, I don't call it a rim. Like, I had a coach, he said, get this out of, get this idea of it being a rim out of your head. He goes, if you think about it as a, a bypass, think about this. You're bypassing the forecheck, and we're just going to push the battle out into the neutral zone. Like, we're doing it with a purpose. We're not just going back like tree stumps, rimming mm-hmm. pucks. Like, we're doing it with a purpose. And then the forwards and the centermen, everyone knows you're on the same page. Like, that could help. Like, that could help kind of alleviate some of the congestion on, on the strong side of the ice. But there's there's some teams that go back and they kind of work these little dink passes where, yeah, you can go up the strong side. But it's like, you know, if everyone thinks you're going up that side, you make it look like you are. And it's just a little bump pass to the net now behind the net. Now you take it and you wheel out the weak side like Vancouver does that really, really well. 
Um, and that's been a big part of part of their success. So, um, yeah, like it's it's real what, what you're seeing. It's just they're they want to go back and hit the centerman. And a lot of times they're breaking out out the strong side and it can get a little it can get a little there's a lot of traffic that mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. And Fair if enough. you think actually the Edmonton game was one where they, it was so noticeable that they were just Edmonton's D were all pinching, sealing off the wall. And the Leafs had a little bit of trouble breaking out. Not that they played terrible that game, but that was just something that was very, you know, what, you know what Chicago did a lot. And this was when I was in the league, like, and we would always have this in the pre-scout Chicago would do this thing. As soon as their D had full possession of the puck and it was like eyes up possession the wingers would skate at me at a defenseman full speed, literally skate at you full speed. So now you were like, okay, what am I going to do? Am I going to let this guy just skate in behind me and try and pick off a pass? No, I'm going to, I'm going to skate with him. Like I, I got to stay in front of this guy. Next thing I know he had pushed me out to like the red line. And now there was all this room underneath for the centerman and the D to make some, some plays. And, um, Chicago did it. Detroit did it a lot. And, you know, they, I think there's, there's something to that as well on the breakups, like getting your wingers, you know, moving with some motion with a purpose to help kind of make some room underneath. Yeah. Essentially like run the fly route and then hit the tight end underneath kind of there thing. There you go. You've been playing Madden, you know, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. Frankie, thank you so much for coming on. I think a lot, I learned a ton from this, this, this interview here and got a great a lot of great information hope everyone listening did as well uh thanks thanks again for coming on we'll no see problem again. and i hope uh, i hope the sleeve monster gives you your sleeves back <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks frankie we'll talk soon see no you promises see ya